0: Well, welcome to the Church of Omaha tonight. If this is your first time, we welcome you. We are so excited that you're here. And if you are a returning guest, welcome back to the place of a place of hope and healing. that's our motto. You may be seated. We'll dismiss people here in a minute. but um, I have truly found this church, personally, to be a place where I found refuge, I found hope. I remember when I first came, I've told this to you many times, but I sat right over there. Sister Nancy's sitting, and I would make my way up to the front, and I would cry as God began to heal my heart, and so I urge each and every one of you, just as we're worshiping, just to let God heal you, and just relax, and just begin to talk to him. Well, we have some kids that maybe would like to make their way to the back wing over here, and they are going to have a good time back there and then do we have our students our older students right our older students right back here and do we have a sal do we have another class tonight or they're already in there all right very good um, okay well we are in the book of corinthians we've been Reading First Corinthians and Second Corinthians, and um, I really enjoyed last week with the missionary there. And uh, I, I have to be honest, Bishop, I wondered, did, did you tell him, hey, we're studying out of Corinthians at all? Or and then when you got up and you said, hey, you know, uh, um, didn't even he didn't even know we're in Corinthians? But I, but God just reached down and ministered, and um, we are letters, we are epistles. Yes. We could turn over. We're going to be setting between 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Verse 12 of 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says, All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but i will not be brought unto the power under the power of any i will not be brought under the power of any lord jesus speak to us tonight oh god let your living word preach your written word jesus and change us god we want to grow in you we want to increase in you in the name of jesus amen amen all that in a bag of chips all that in a bag of chips and when I was driving here, I thought, you know, I should have brought some chips, some Lay's potato chips. We got a box sitting in our, our pantry, and uh, um, we do our share of fill in the landfill because we got those little personal bags of chips, and they're meant for school. And so that means the kids, when they're playing outside, raid them rather too freely and take them outside, and, and then I'm out there, and I'm like, why do I have a bag of chips in my bushes? Why are there ants on the porch? Why are there ants in the garage? And I'm not talking about very fine ants that I grew up with. I'm talking about ants that we get sprayed for. Um, And my wife will come out, and she's like, what's this? I'm like, relax, relax. They will go away. I discovered that one time, actually. Uh, We had a big cookout here, and we had all these burgers and everything cooked, and I showed up on Monday, and I went down in the basement, and there were thousands of ants and they had a line they came in from outside and some grease had gotten on the floor and they were having a feast down there and i panicked i was like oh my goodness what are we going to do nobody's going to use the basement there's ants everywhere and then i think maybe i alerted you bishop or alerted some folks and we came back and looked they were all gone they cleaned up their mess and they left um but these bags of chips all that in a bag of chips now that phrase is one that many of you maybe have said, and it's never kind. Well, she's all that in a bag of chips. Who does he think he is? He's all that in a bag of chips. You know, I think it might be better to have that said about you than than you're a couple french fries short of a happy meal, but neither one of those are very good. But all that in a bag of chips really means that someone thinks that they really have it together and that there's something special. And so you look at them and, and, and you're thinking, wow, they must be pretty proud of themselves. And and they have a little bit of an ego. And, and Paul, when he's writing here in verse 12, he says, all things are lawful unto me. I, I, I really see him writing unto these Corinthians and uh, he's talking to them and and they're pretty proud of some of their freedoms and some of their liberties they have in Jesus Christ. We talked to you a couple weeks ago about how the Spirit of God was at work in this church. Um, this was a church of, in a city where people, there was many idols. And so a number of people that were in church probably had been like temple prostitutes. And, and they were used to the festivities and all the things that would go on there. And, uh, um, and they had been brought out of sin... And they had been set free by Jesus Christ. They had been filled with His Spirit, baptized in His name. And they understood, I am no longer a servant to sin. And when you have been baptized in Jesus' name, and you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, you are free from sin. It does not have a hold on you anymore. You don't have to serve sin. You, you You don't have to say, well, the devil made me do it. Yes, I know that we live in this world and and that we still have flesh and temptations come along and and we struggle with it and and there's things that that are just kind of part of our makeup of who we are and and so that comes along and and you're like, man, should I do that or not? And and you have to fight those things. I want to tell you something tonight. If there's something that you're struggling with, first off, go to God in prayer. Go to God in prayer. Now, for some things that you maybe fight with or struggle with, there may be a process, maybe some counseling that you need to go through. You you, you may need to, to learn some things and work out some things. Why? Because God may be saying, hey, there's some things that your mom and your dad did. There's some things that your grandparents did. And you've kind of inherited that. And you need to learn how to do things a different way. Um, an easy example would be is... Uh, Um, maybe you just go up to people and you tell them, Trevor, you're going to hell, (laughs) right? Well, if you're going through a struggle, and so Trevor's sick, all right, and Trevor comes up for prayer and he doesn't get healed, and I say, well, Trevor, you must not have believed God. So I get sick, and I'm struggling, and then God gently pushes on me and he's like, so you must not have believed God, huh? What's God doing there? He's taking me through a process. But some of those things like just going up and yelling at people or or screaming and hollering at your kids or or taking the eggs and instead of putting them in the skillet, you throw them at your spouse. We've never done that. Okay, we've never done that. Just in case you had the wrong idea. I've never seen it. We've never done it. But those are things that somebody may need to sit down with you and say, that's not how you parent that's not how a relationship works you you know why you have to learn those things because otherwise you just go up to somebody and you yell at them and tell them they must not have a relationship with god instead of understanding maybe god's working something in their life maybe god has chosen to let them live with the sickness or maybe he's going to work a miracle later or that person that you declared is going to hell You need to learn to love them and show them Jesus instead of thinking that your witness and testimony is just blurting out their condition. Uh, um, And that's on the simple side. But we'll take it to some addictions. You're saying, well, why am I in some counseling? I seem to struggle with, 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 uh, uh, Trevor, you talked about it on Sunday a little bit, but pornography, that's an easy one, right? Uh, um, You're a young man and you struggle with that. Well, maybe your dad struggled with that. And maybe his dad struggled with that. And you know what they never did? They never went and and dealt with their problem. And it hurt their marriage. It hurt their family. And so you're over here and you either think, one, well, my dad was this way, so it's okay. Or two, you're too afraid to even admit that you have a problem. But when you sit down and you begin to, God decides, you know what? We're not just doing some miraculous thing where this goes away. You're going to learn to work through something. When you do that, you begin to understand what it's like to maybe let some things go that was tied to all that, or, or to overcome some things and to omit some things. And this is not meant to be a thing on counseling tonight, but I do want you to understand that God takes us through processes sometimes. But at the end of the day, the miraculous hand of God always enters our life and heals us and sets us free. I want to repeat that at the end of the day the miraculous hand of God comes in and gives you joy unspeakable and full of glory that never happens in a counseling session. It never happens in a a 12-step meeting. It never happens in an AA group. It will never happen until you say, God, thank you for teaching me, and I'm all yours. And he steps down, and he imparts joy that you will not get any other place. And I can tell you that from experience. God has taken me down paths, and he has taught me things. But then he has come in, and he has set me free so let me repeat, you do not, are no longer bound by sin. In Romans chapter 6, Paul's writing and, and, and he's talking to some people who thinks, think they're talking dealing with sin, right? And he says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, how shall we that, that, that are dead to sin live any longer therein? He's saying, hey. You can't do this stuff. You can't keep sinning. You, you can't live in sin. God set you free. Romans chapter 6, verse, um, verses 15 through 16. He says, What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness all saying here hey you're not in sin anymore if you serve sin you're going to be a servant of sin but you don't have to be a servant of sin and if you serve Christ who brought you out and saved you you, you you're a servant of Christ now i know we're sons not servants that we're children and uh, we're um, sons and daughters of Jesus Christ and, and and that we're the bride of Christ but but When we live on this earth, we live for Christ. Or if you get into sin, you're living for sin. We have got to stop sinning. We have got to stop sinning. Got to stop sinning. So Paul says, all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. These people at Corinth, you will think this is a little bit crazy. They thought that their bodies were a bit separate from their spirit. Why this body's going to die? It's going to be buried. He's going to blow that trumpet. I'm going to be called away. I'm going to be this new person, but this body, like I have my spirit side, and I have my body side. Hear me today. You are still one person. You are still one person. And so those people who had served in the temples and they had been uh, um, temple prostitutes, I've been set free from sin, but I could still go and get into fornication. (laughs) Paul's like, it doesn't work that way. You, you can't say, well, I've been set free from sin when I was baptized in Jesus' name and, and, and all that was gone and my spirit, now I'm going to heaven. That's the fallacy of once saved, always saved. That, that's a, that idea right there is a bunch of garbage. What, first off, what does it do? It takes away your ability to make a choice. It takes away your ability to make a choice. God did not take away your ability to choose when he saved your soul. A thing that sometimes people say is is, well, you didn't truly believe if you're actually sinning again. No, hear me, when you believe unto obedience, and that means you end up being baptized in Jesus' name and you give your life to him and he fills you with His spirit, you're living for God. When you believe unto obedience, but that doesn't mean you can't turn around and walk away from this. Paul, Paul understood that he could leave this at any point in time. That he could fall into sin. And he warned us that if he or an angel from heaven would preach any other gospel, don't listen to it. Listen to this gospel. So we could understand that Paul could go astray. And if Paul could go astray, I think I could go astray. So he's writing here and he's, he's talking to these people who, who have got a, a, a twisted version of of. Of what reality's like, really, of what living for God's like. And hey, you know, I can commit these sins, these things that are sins, and, and I'm separate. It's, it's, I have a freedom in Jesus Christ. I, I'm free. I'm free indeed. And I, I was thinking about that song. I jotted it down. Now, that's a great song. But that song that talks about your freedom, I'm free indeed, I'm not, as I've always said, gonna try to sing it, but it, it kinda does want to come out. And I, I wrote down, I Choose to be free. That song, what it means is that I'm choosing not to live in sin anymore because Jesus set me free. I'm choosing not to go back and be bound by it because he delivered me from it. I'm gonna do whatever it takes to stay away from that life. I don't want it and when it pulls back on me, I'm gonna do whatever I need to do to follow after Jesus. You know what I'm gonna do? I. I if, if I'm like, I can't sort this out, I'm knocking on my pastor's door. I'm saying, hey, can I visit with you? Can you give me some direction? That spiritual mentor in my life, and I'm coming, I'm saying, hey, wait a second. Do you have any insight here? Uh, um, that one that's been giving me a home Bible study, I'm bringing it up. I'm saying, I, I don't want to go back there. He set me free, and I don't want to be bound anymore. That's completely different than you saying, boom, I can do whatever I want because I'm free. That happens. I think some of you might get echoes of that in this great nation we live in, the United States of America. There were some people who fought and who stood on principles and and talked about the rights of people and mankind. And and our nation has now looked at things and they're like, you know what? I'm a free person. It's a free country and I can do whatever I want. And you get on that whole issue of abortion and people are like, it's my body, I can do whatever I want. Well, how did we get in that spot to start with sometimes? I've heard people, some friends of mine say, they'll talk about a lady and they'll say, well, uh, um, think about that young girl who's a single mother, who, who, who doesn't have any money, who uh, uh, um, was living life and, and, and they got pregnant and they made a wrong decision one night with some guy. and You know what happened right there? A couple people said, it's a free country and I can do whatever I want. And then somebody said, I can abort a child because it's a free country and I can do whatever I want. Hear me tonight, church. When you take your freedom and you try to do whatever you want with your freedom, you will enter into bondage. And the United States of America is falling deeply, rapidly down a road to sin. As it has offered up its children to the God of I can do whatever I want, of self pleasure. And many lives have been destroyed because you think you can do whatever you want. And if that does not work in this country, and it doesn't, it does not work for your soul in heaven. When He sets you free from sin, He meant for you to stay out of sin. Hallelujah, Amen. hallelujah, hallelujah. Boy, we see here in a couple passages, there's a 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, he says, flee fornication. Every sin that a man doth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. And then we see over here in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 14, he says, Wherefore, dearly beloved, flee from idolatry, flee from idolatry. Oh, I, I put this down here before I get into a couple other points here. I'm going to highlight First Corinthians chapter six, verse thirteen in a minute here. But, but this flee idea, this flee idea. Paul he highlights fornication and then he highlights idolatry. Why fornication is something that we do in our flesh and 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 we're we're cheating on a we're cheating on somebody or we're, we're sinning in in something that's meant to be for marriage in a relationship with our spouse and he says flee from that that cheating thing that that selling out yourself and and, and selling out this temple but then when we commit idolatry and we worship other gods other than Jesus Christ what are we doing we're cheating on Almighty God we're, 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 we're destroying that relationship and we're damaging that relationship with him. So idolatry in the spiritual is fornication in the physical. The physical. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 13, he says, Meats for the belly and the belly for meat, but God shall destroy it. Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. So when talking about Being free and talking about you're not truly free if you're living however you want, but that you're a servant of Jesus Christ. This phrase right here meats for the belly and the bellies for meat. You can see some Corinthians right here. (laughs) You see it? It's lawful for me. I'm going to do it. I got this. Meats for the belly and the bellies for meat. Nope. What I do in the body doesn't matter. What you do in the body matters. What you do. In the body matters. I read 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, flee fornication. Verse 19, he says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? Verse 13, Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. This body is God's. And he is going to translate it. And you're going to have a glorified body one day. He's going to pull you out of a grave. But what you do here matters. When you tattoo this body, you're tattooing the Lord's body. When you go ahead and you pierce those ears, you're piercing the Lord's body. When, when you uh, uh, go out and you have an immoral relationship, you're, you're having an immoral relationship with a body Not just a spirit, but a body that is Jesus Christ. When you go out there and you smoke a cigarette or you partake in some other drugs, you're taking and you're doing that to the Lord's body. When you sit down and you watch a movie that you shouldn't watch, or you flip through a magazine that you shouldn't flip through, you're doing that to the mind that is Jesus Christ. These eyes are the Lord's. This spirit is the Lord's. Hear me, when you beat up on yourself and you call yourself a loser and you knock yourself down, you're doing that to a body that is the Lord's. Oh, when you think yourself to be nothing, and I don't mean recognizing that God's everything and I'm nothing, I don't mean that, but when you put yourself into a spot and you say, I can't do anything and God has no use for me, you're calling that to a body that is the Lord's. Oh, hear me. Be careful what you do to your body, because it matters. Be careful what you do. What you do, it matters. What you look like matters. I'm not going to delve all into it tonight, but Timothy, when he was writing, uh, um, and he was writing to women, he was talking about jewelry, and he was talking about apparel, and and he was writing to men about their anger, and praying... uh, um, What was he telling him? He was telling them, just as it's important that we pray and that we don't have anger issues, so it's important what we look like and what we wear. Now, in that passage, I'll just point this out real quick. Paul was writing to issues that men predominantly struggle with and that women predominantly struggle with. That doesn't mean that women don't pray, and it doesn't mean that men can wear whatever they want, okay? Okay? It just means that Paul was dealing with some specifics, but what I want to bring out to you tonight is what you look like matters. Um, if God brought me out of sin, and he did, and then I go back, and let's say I was involved and I, I did a lot of drugs over here, right? And I go back and I say, hey, man, God brought me out of sin. He filled me with the Spirit. Can I, can I have one of those joints? And I have no idea what I'm talking about here, so please, you can laugh at me. Um, but I'm like, can I, can I do that with you guys? My friends, they're going to be like, oh, well, that's what living for God's like. It's the same for what I look like. If I, I used to run around and, and things that really I needed a bed sheet put over me just to cover me up, you know, uh, and, and I was at the beach and And I looked like everybody else on that beach. That's not demonstrating that Christ has changed me. If I go ahead and I say, hey, let me go ahead and paint myself up and cover myself all up. That's not demonstrating that I want to be that clean body of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what you look like matters. What you look like matters. How you talk matters. If your language hasn't changed, just because uh, um, you, you're like, well, I can do whatever I want and talk however I want. When ju- God filled you with his spirit, he meant for your language to change. How you talk matters. People hear that talk and they say, wait a second, you just tore somebody down. You just ripped them apart. The body is the Lord's. The body is the Lord's. Oh, Church, it matters, it matters. It matters. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, just kind of going with this flow here. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, and it kicks off, verse 1, it says, Now as touching things offered unto idols, we know that we have all have knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. Or love builds up. What is he saying here he's saying that we had some people in corinth and they had a knowledge and so they would use their phrase the belly is for meat meat for the belly they would say all things are lawful unto me and so we had some festivities in corinth and we would have some celebrations to all these goddesses and gods and we would and people would flock in and they would bring their meat and offer up their sacrifices and when they were done with this meat They would be selling it, after they offered it up, the gods didn't actually take the meat, right? So they would have it out there on the street and and you could buy some meat and you could get it cheap. You could have yourself a meal and eating meat is not a problem. And maybe somebody brought some meat over to your house or you got some meat and, and you had this. Well, here's a problem. What's the problem? Somebody used to be that temple prostitute. Somebody used to work in that temple. And now they look over there, and Lucas has gone over the temple, and he's having himself a feast. I'm not offering anything up to idols. I'm just eating some good meat. It's cheap. It's good. There's a glut of it, and I like beef. And if you know me, I do like beef. I'm going to have me a good steak. And this person says, wait a second. I thought I was preached to that I can't go back and partake of things in that temple. Well, am I sinning? Paul's saying, you're not necessarily sinning, Lucas. We're going to delve into the, the things here that dealt with spiritual worship. But he's just saying, hey, Lucas is over there. He's eating meat. He's not eating it to an idol or anything like that. But Johnny used to work there, and this is a struggle for him. And Lucas says, well, I'm pretty knowledgeable about this. I've read the Bible. I got this down. I have freedom in Jesus Christ, and there's no way I'm sinning by eating this steak. This filet, filet mignon is the best. Has the bone on the backside, by the way. It's the best. Just salt and pepper. Came from the prime calf. And they're looking at that and they say, "Wait a second. So you mean that that lifestyle that I thought I had to leave? I I, I can actually be over there?" And, and they take it and they see me there and they see me in that place and and soon they're back there and they're pulled into sin because they didn't quite have the same understanding. And Paul says, knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. When you think I'm all that and a bag of chips and everything's lawful unto me and I can do whatever I want or talk however I want, not only do you risk that attitude pulling you back into sin and you being a servant of sin, you risk destroying someone else. And which would you rather do? Be out to save people? Or be out to feed yourself however you want. Be out to look out for you or to look out for them. That doesn't mean that if you had some meat and you were in Corinth and you sat down at home and you had that filet mignon and it was really good that you were sinning. But if you did it and, and, and you were doing it in a manner where that other person saw it and you sent the wrong message to them, it would be better you never ate any meat at all. Why? Because you're out to love people. You're out to love people. If you take this gospel message and these things that God has set you free from, and then you try to to see how close you can live to the world, not only are you in danger of losing your soul, but you're in danger of sending the wrong message to people. If you can instead get a mindset, I love God and I love people and I want to do whatever it takes to live for God and I want to do whatever it takes to reach people, that will change your outlook on some of your approaches to situations. Yeah. It will change your outlook. Where's another case this occurs? I, I want to beat up on social media just for a moment <laughs> because sometimes we think that we're doing things in the privacy of our home that are okay. Okay. Um, I, I grew up uh, where there were some games that folks were like, well, you can't play that game. Why? Because they maybe had come out of have some gambling situations, and so when they saw dice and a box of Yahtzee, they were like, well, you can't do that. Well, first off, you know what I'm not going to do? Have them over to my house and play Yahtzee. <laughs> I'm not going to do that to them. Um, and, and because I might know that, you might think, well, that sounds crazy, Lucas. That would be wrong of me. <laughs> I, I'm not going to go there with them at the moment, uh, um, but we would do things like maybe you played Yahtzee in your house, and that is a silly example, I, I do, um, but you, played, you did this in your house, and I'd say, no, you're not sitting and playing Yahtzee. Well, sometimes you express opinions in your house, and those opinions that you express are not wrong. Maybe you have some political opinions, and they're not wrong. Maybe there's something that frustrates you, and it's not wrong. But then you go out on your social media account, and you blaze it out there. And you're like, I have the right to share this opinion. And what are you doing? You have some people around you that don't quite grasp what you mean by your opinion. And instead of them seeing you as bringing them to Jesus Christ, you have brought division in that did not need to be brought in. There was no useful point to it. It didn't glorify God, but it damaged people. And so when you're making your posts and you're putting them out there, um, look at what you're posting. Are you using your social media just to share some, with people about your life and, and, and what you did and, and, and what you ate for lunch? Um, um, or where you took your family on vacation and they can see that? Or are you out there, are, are you using it to glorify God? Those are good things to do with it. But if you're using it to say, down with the country, or or, or, um, I don't like people from this area of town, or that area of town, or this walk of life, you are dividing people, and you are not leading those people to Jesus Christ. And so what you maybe would have expressed, and maybe some of those things should never have been expressed, even in your own home, you are willing to go out on social media and do those sorts of things, and then people see that, And you are not in a private area anymore. You are like the person at the temple partaking in the meat. And other people are seeing what you're doing. And they're bothered by it because they don't quite get it. So it matters what you post. So even if you post it to your friends, think about who are your friends. And what message are you sending. Because if you're driving them away from Jesus Christ, you're not bringing them closer and therefore, you're not doing your mission. You're not loving them. You're not loving them. And the last thing I would like to bring out is 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 14. He said, Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from adultery, idolatry. Free, flee from idolatry. Why did he write this here? Well, this isn't eating meat at the temple. This is different than that. He goes on and he says, I speak as to wise men, judge ye what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless with is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one body. Behold, Israel after one flesh, not, are, the, are not they which eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? So he's going back. And he's talking about Old Testament sacrifice here. And then he segues that into these temples. And we have people who have gotten spiritually. They're over here. And if I went into that temple while they were offering up sacrifices, and I was there with their temple worship when it was going on, and 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 I was... Um, he says, What sh- say I then, that the idol is anything, or that which is offered under sacrifices to idols is anything? But I say that the things which are which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. I would not that ye should have fellowship with the devils. Ye drink not of the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. Ye cannot be the partaker of the Lord's table and of the tables of devils. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? I could not in Corinth go and participate In their temple worship earlier I talked about the meat the meat that I would have gotten at the temple and I would have partaken in there the next step is to partake in temple worship church you got to be careful what you get your eyes on in the world you got to be careful what you get your heart set on in the world because you will begin to worship other things you will begin to displace Jesus Christ and 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 the language that you use about things Uh, um sometimes I I like football I I I like uh, well I used to like Tom Brady but he went over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers you're not gonna find a room in my house that's dedicated to Tom Brady you're not gonna find a room dedicated to the Patriots no matter how many shirts I have of the Patriots Hear me, I have not bought a single shirt from the Patriots. They've all been presents from my children. I don't know if I bought a single Patriot thing in my life. No, I did. I bought a lanyard around my neck. Um, but it's simply a sports team. You will not see me. I get excited, but you're not going to see me enter into a place where I worship that team. You're not going to see me. They're nothing more than a sports team. I might be bummed when they lose, and I might be happy when they win. But then we move on from that. Because win or lose, there's another game, and you're on to the next game, right? And there's another season, and it's just a game. If something that 2020 told you, even in this country, they canceled all those things, and they put them to the side. You cannot let the things of this world become things that you worship, God is a jealous God. You cannot provoke him unto wrath. You you can't even let your children take the place of God. You can't let your wife take the place of God. Oh, it's going to come out to the people that you're around. They're going to see all the things that you attend. If you, um, I, I won't let my kids participate on something on Wednesday nights on a regular basis that would take them away from church. You know, I might would have a job situation for a time where, where I had to, to be at work and, and so I couldn't be at church and I understand those things happen. What do we all try to do? We actively try to figure out a way that we can work through that job or Lord, give me another job. I, I've got a problem here. Um, My kids may have to attend a meeting sometime. I'm not saying, hey, we didn't have to attend some things. But when I have put my kids in a place and I've said, this activity is more important than the house of God, I will not do it. I'm sending them the wrong message. I'm saying, hey, I want you over here on a long-term basis and not over here in the presence of God. Oh, they will become like the people they're with. They will be trained by the coaches that they're with. They won't be in the classroom with their teachers. Oh, parents, you can't do that to your children. Oh, and you better pray, God, wake me up. Oh, if you get a a game going on and you're like, you know what? We'll take the sports thing first off. You know, football games begin in the afternoon. So if you want to watch one on Sunday, you probably have a chance to. Don't sit at home and watch Sunday morning NFL and look at all the things or or watch the preview from what happened on Saturday. Be in the house of God. And if you got used to watching service online and you think, well, I can live at home and just watch church online and I can have this TV for sports and that one for church, get in church. This is where you need to be. Don't let the things and the fears of this world and the pleasures of this world displace your worship for God. Oh, I want to be just a little bit careful. But I do want to tell you, we've gone through a year this last year. We, we, we've had shots and no shots and, and we've had quarantines and no quarantines. We've had masks and no masks and masks backed up and, and I'm not putting down having a mask and I'm not telling you all to mask, Okay. I'm not putting down a shot, and I'm not telling you all to get a shot. And I'm not putting down the times we quarantined and the times you were here. Oh, but God, I need to get back to church. God, I need to get back and give you some some worship with the body of Christ. Oh, don't let fear displace your living for God. Why? Because you begin to worship something else. Let me just tell you, I want to be careful, Bishop, but... You can't let coronavirus rule your life more than Jesus Christ. You can't do it. Kick it in the teeth. Oh, I, I'm not putting down taking your precautions. Please hear me. I, I when when I wasn't here a couple Sundays ago, I, I woke up sick. I'm sorry. I was on the schedule to preach, and I was like, Bishop, I don't think people want to hear. He was sick all night, and then he breathed all over me from the pulpit. I didn't do it. I stayed home. But I'm not stopping myself from coming to church because somebody might have shown up with the flu. i got to be here with you. We preached a couple weeks ago. We're saints, not saint. We're together in this. Not off alone over here. I need you, and you need me. So if you need to wear an N95 mask, please come to church. Oh, I don't know where this thing's going to go. But please get into prayer and say, God... Oh, God, I can't live at home forever. I need you to work a change here. Now, some of you might have some individual odd circumstances. Please give us a call and talk to us. You know, uh, uh, um, I don't want you to mistake the things that I preach from here that you don't get some odd situation. Maybe somebody's on chemotherapy. They have some odd immune thing. Call Bishop up. Talk to him about it. But hear me, what you worship matters. And sometimes you don't think That you're in the temple of a pagan God. But you have found yourself further and further away. And you're over here. And where you're spending your time. On your movies. Or or, or, or on your hobbies. Or or, uh, with the people that you're with. And with the things that you say matter the most in your life. You have now begun to worship them. And it may be observed by people. Or it may not be observed by people. But we will provoke the Lord to jealousy. We'll provoke the Lord to jealousy. God cares about us. So flee idolatry. You know, Paul started out this chapter, and he started out with a warning to Israel. A warning to Israel. It's often been said that Israel left Egypt, but Egypt didn't leave them. Egypt was a type of sin at this point. It had become sin in their life. Interesting enough, Egypt had been their place of salvation, their place of deliverance. And it had been a place of blessing to them where they grew as a people. But they had let that thing become the place where they were comfortable. So I'll even tell you tonight that God has put blessings in your life. But at some point in time, he wants to move you forward. And when he moves you forward, if you stay back where he blessed you over here, and you're like, this is all great, and he's like, it's time to come out of that. And life begins to get a little difficult and a little hard. And he's saying, I need you over here. Your blessing has become your bondage. And eventually, it can become the place of sin. Uh, um, what, what, how could that happen? And you're like, how could that happen? God's using me in a ministry over here. Say I'm teaching in Sunday school, okay? And God's moved me on from Sunday school, and he wants me to be preaching like I am right here tonight. And, and I'm not back there teaching Sunday school every week. He's moved me on from that. And God's trying to pull me out of there and he's, he's saying, hey, i got something else. For I start to get an attitude. I start to get a little, Egh. I start to get a little bitter. I start to fight God against it. I start to get things in my heart that aren't right. Because I don't want to be where God's pulling me to be. And these things are now enslaving me. And, and, and there was nothing wrong with teaching children. There was nothing wrong with working in that ministry. But the thing, when God's trying to pull me someplace and I begin to refuse God, I will begin to get attitudes and spirits about me that aren't right. So that's that's an example of where you could be in a blessing with God and he calls you some other place and says, I don't want you there anymore. I don't want you there anymore. I'm bringing you to something new. Um, Some of you have been in environments where you were blessed and then the environment around you changed. And that was also Israel. Because the the Egyptians said, hold on, you're our slave. We're going to own you. You can't just worship the way you want to worship. You can't just live for your God the way you want to live for God. You can't just go sacrifice the way you want to sacrifice. And if your situation, whether it be your job, your friends, whatever that situation may be, If it starts to say, you can no longer live for God the way you want to, you need to recognize, God blessed me here, but it's time to move on. He's calling me to another place. And begin to seek his face and say, God, this area where you kept me, you provided for me, you took care of me, things are changing here, and it's no longer working out. It's no longer working out. And so he told them, he talked to them. About their idol worship. We've highlighted that tonight. He talked to them about their fornication. We highlighted that. Why? Because when you play around with sin, it takes you to places you never thought you would go. And then he talked to them about challenging Christ, tempting Him, challenging Him. And he talked to them about their murmuring. And then what did Paul tell us? He said, flee idolatry. Church, as I wrap this up tonight, I I just want to tell you, have an attitude for Jesus Christ. Have an attitude for Him. Let your heart be humble towards Him. Why I called this all that in a bag of chips. Because when you get full of yourself, and you think I can edge the fence and I can live how I want and what I do in this body doesn't matter and what I do with my spirit doesn't quite matter and, and, and you get your focus off Jesus Christ and you're focused on this world. It, you'll find yourself drifting further and further away and, and you're focused on self. Sometimes that does show up as a bad attitude. Sometimes that shows up with a grumbling. Why didn't God do this? Why didn't the church help me with that? Why, 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 why? Why did so and so this, or he that, that or, or her this? Why has God blessed them that way? Oh, did you see what they did? Did you see what they did there? And you've gotten your mind off Jesus Christ. And you're on yourself. And you're filling yourself up. And soon you're going to find out that I'm not where I need to be. I'm not serving Jesus. I'm not serving Jesus. We could stand to our feet. Paul told us, he said, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do to the glory of God. Do to the glory of God. He said, be followers of me even as I'm of Christ. What struck me out of this entire set of study, this entire look at everything, it wasn't about whether I was the singer on the platform, I was the preacher from the pulpit, that I taught in Sunday school or that I drove the bus, that I ran the sound booth. It was all about... What am I doing for God? And what is my choices doing to others? What am I doing in my bo- to my body? What am I doing in my spirit? What am I doing for God? Paul talked about that when we take of this cup, when we take communion, we're taking of Jesus Christ. And that doesn't mean that that's literally his blood or that bread is literally his body. But he was highlighting those that participated in temple worship or worshiping devils just like in partaking in that just like when we live for god we're partaking in jesus christ and to me that is so exciting tonight so i challenge you re-examine your life and say hey am i living in my body and in my spirit for jesus christ am i trying to be more like him and am i trying to build up others and love them or am i trying to tear them down because if you will change that mindset What are you doing? You're partaking in Jesus Christ. And he lives in you. And he infuses you. And how exciting is that the creator of the universe is in me and through me and moving in me. So I want to live for Him, and partake in Him. And my body is the Lord's, and my spirit is the Lord's. And everything I do, I want to do in love for Him, and in love for you, and I want to do it to the Lord. So could we close our eyes and lift our hands right now? Oh God, I want to give you my life. God, I want to give you what I do in my flesh. I want to give you what I do in my spirit. Oh God, I want to commit my life to you. I don't want to be filled with myself or, or with an ego. Oh God, oh God, I must decrease and you must increase. Oh God, I don't want to be troubled or irked about how you're blessing somebody else, or I don't want to be irritated that my actions maybe would cause somebody else to sin. Instead, God, I want to love them, I want to look out for them, Jesus. Oh, God, help me with my choices and my decisions. God, I want to worship you. I want to bring glory to you. I want to bring honor to you, oh, God. Help me to see less of me and more of you. I want to partake in you, Jesus. I want to partake in you. Oh, you are holy, oh, God. You are righteous, oh, God. You are my king. Oh, God, if we could just get a singular focus on you. If we could just see you, Jesus. Oh, if everything else could fall away and just see you, Jesus. Oh, how you saved us from sin. How you brought us out. Oh, how you told us about all of our, 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 our everything we ever did. Oh, God, I just want to see you. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah let's give him another hand clap (laughs) hallelujah Hallelujah. god bless you church we have a liberty in Jesus Christ you can be focused on all the rights that you have in Jesus or you can be focused on God what can I do for you and how do you want me to live and if you will do that then you will be free if you see less of you and more of him. God bless you. We'll see you this coming uh, Sunday, and have a great week.